From activism to entertainment, health to nightlife, profiles and courage to travel, and so much more. This is the Jeff Hawker Show, LGBTQ news and lifestyle conversation for the Coachella Valley region. Here's Jeff Hawker. Hello, great to have you on the show today. You know, I say this a lot that I have some of my favorite people on the show, but truly today I have got two of the most vivacious people that I know with two very interesting and unique stories. Um, our first guest in the first half hour is Ethelina Can, who is a female impersonator, mistress of ceremonies, and quite a few other things. And then in the second half hour, we've got Lenny Broberg, who is a retired San Francisco police inspector, openly gay, and uh, he'll tell us all about his story and what he's doing today. So our hostess, comedian, performer, actress, mid-century maven, queen of Palm Springs and Tupperware lady, Miss Ethelina Can. How are you doing? I am doing so well. Good afternoon to you. <laughs> well, and, and your slogan is, Life is always the party, and you're the life of the the party. party. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I have a bit of deja vu happening right now because we had this, we did an interview before, and then then the event got canceled. We did. (laughs) I'm very happy that that it's back on, and it's been rethought, and... And it's a perfect thing for spring. And they say it's reimagined. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I follow you on Facebook all the time. You're always posting great pictures of your family and your childhood and all that. You've recently lost your mother. And, you know, I was so sad about that. I know what it's like to lose your mother. You guys were very close. We were. And, um, you know, it's. During the pandemic, I not only lost my mom, but I also lost my stepdad. And um, I'm an only child. And within five months, they were both gone. And um, it's a, it's, as you well know, it's just an interesting experience to go through. And, um, you know, I'm just really, really grateful that they did move down here. And I got to spend six years of fun times with them here in the desert. And, um you know, I'm focusing on the gifts of all of that, and that keeps me afloat, if yeah. you will. And, and you've posted pictures of when you were a childhood. I mean, did they really let you be free in who you were? Yeah, you know, I was just talking about um, this with somebody else, one of my friends, and I was like, I was brought up to uh, and, and encouraged. I mean, my mom put me in tap dance lessons when I was six, Um and so I was always encouraged and like all of my creative juices, all of that was like fanned, you know, intensely. And um, I feel that like because of that, yeah, I'm able to be the person that I am today. Did you did you ever experience, I mean, in growing up, I mean, I know I did when I was probably really mostly in middle school. I think that's when the kids start getting really mean, like people mm-hmm. bullying you and you know, because I was involved, yeah. I was involved with community theater during that time, and so you know, I was like the sissy in community theater. Yeah, you know, when I got, you know, I w- I grew up on a twenty-acre kind of farm, three and a half miles out of town. I didn't have any neighbors, no brothers and sisters. So, like, I was with my grandparents and my mom and dad. And so, the minute I got into school, the incessant bullying started. 
And um, it proceeded throughout my entire, you know, academic career. And it's very interesting this year, I'm going back in July, I'm going up to Morro Bay for my 30th high school reunion. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's going to help me, it's going to help my soul and it's going to help like bring closure to it all because everything that I was told uh, during school and everything that I that was said to me is just not the truth. Um, and it's taken me, you know, I'm going to be 48 this year and it's taken me a lot of years to get to this place. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Well, and that's one thing that, you know, is kind of the catchphrase now is b- living your authentic truth. Yes, and I'm so all about that, and I'm encouraging everyone around me to be authentic. You know, today is uh, Trans Awareness Day, and it's like, it's, it's so important, I feel, to be your authentic self. And when you're able to stop worrying about what other people think or what someone's going to say or their views or judgment on things, it's so freeing because it allows you to do whatever you want. Yeah. And, whatever you want. And Biden signed, it, it wasn't an executive order, but it was sort of like a, a press statement supporting Transgender Day. Which is so fabulous because it's like I just, I cannot wrap my head around you know, I think it's 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 all learned behavior. I think it's fear of something that's different. You know what I mean? But I can't wrap my head around. I have a lot of trans friends, and they're all fabulous. And and you know what I mean? It's it's just something where I just don't even understand why anybody looks at that as like and and has anything mean or nasty to say about it. It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why you know just what you said about growing up on a farm in kind of a, a more remote area. I think that's why so many LGBTQ people gravitated towards the big cities because they could flourish in the arts and theater scene. Absolutely. I remember the minute I graduated high school, I fled to San Francisco because I knew there were gay people there. I knew there were They were everywhere. Me. <laughs> yes. And, you know, and I and I have fond memories of, you know, being just a child up there and like, you know, it was so much fun and being around people that were eccentric and and expressing themselves and like, yeah, yeah. So I, it's like, I get it. I get it. Did you, because uh, I'm trying to think back. So you're about 10 years younger than I am. I moved there in 1979 and it was kind of the heyday for the gay scene in San Francisco. I mean, all the nightclubs and the bathhouses and everything were in full force. And, yeah. you know, it was incredible. And then the AIDS epidemic kind of kicked in like the middle of the 80s. And that kind of changed right. everything. But God, leading up to that, it was amazing. Yeah, I moved there in 1991. And so I was I was there for like the club kid moment uh you know new york was all about the club kids at that time and so i have some really fun memories of you know playing dress up and going out and uh you know i'll never i'm so grateful i had those experiences were you performing back then i was the first um you know i was kind of like standing on a on a go-go box i would make my i would like just i wasn't hired but like i was performing at the club (laughs) dancing around but my first club that I ever performed at was Heclina's um, uh, night called Tranny Shack. Yeah, uh, very familiar. Changed, yeah, at the Stud, which changed to Mother. And um, so that was the first time that I ever got to get on the stage and really do lip sync performance. 
Yeah. Well, you you are a persona beyond what I've ever experienced before. You know, I, I think I first met you doing one of the, I believe it was one of the Steve Chase Awards, you know, working the red carpet and, um, you know, just dazzling everybody that came by. And everybody always wants to take a picture with you because your outfits are spectacular. And, and of course, well, your dues you. <laughs> are always quaffed in the nines. But, yes, but, yes, yes, yes. So what brought you to Palm Springs? You know, the nine-to-five job actually brought me to Palm Springs. I was working um, at a timeshare in San Clemente, the San Clemente Inn, and I was a oh, yeah. front desk manager at that time. And so one of the managers out at in Indian Wells, actually, the, the property is still there. It's called the Sands, which is connected to the Nest. Have you ever been there? I have, yeah. Oh, okay. So I moved out here to be the GM at that property, and I have always lived next to the ocean my entire life. So I was like, if I can get through one summer, um, I'm going to stay. And this October will be 10 years. And it's like, I love, 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 love Palm Springs. I love the the intimacy of the town because it reminds me of a small town feel. But there's so much to do. And there's such an influx of people that come in and out of this town, So, and which I absolutely love. Well, so how does that work for you in the summer months? You must not do much in the way of hair and makeup. <laughs> it is so hot. You know, I, yeah, it's really hot. And I just went to I just went to some girls' brunches, and I was like, oh my god, God bless you. You know, I'm really excited about my residency that's going to be hopefully opening up in the next month um, at the lounge at Wilma and Frida's in oh, downtown yes. Palm Springs. Tell us all and about that. Air so there is air conditioning there, and there is also some mood lighting that's available to me. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about that. We're going to be doing uh, bingo on Monday night, 7 o'clock, and then I'm going to be doing a Tupperware parties on Saturday afternoons, which I'm very excited about. The only place that you could come to in Palm Springs for the weekend and actually go to a dry queen Tupperware party, which I think is such a fabulous addition to the destination city that this is. And then, of course, I'm going to do some, you know, some intimate dinner shows. Um, It seats about 55 people, which is perfect. Um, So I'm really, really excited about that partnership with Wilma and Frida's Restaurant. For it, we're talking with Ethelina Can and her website, and let me spell it for you, is E-T-H-Y-L-I-N-A, that's ethelina.com, for updates and appearances about everything that you're doing. Um, you've also, do you call your, and this is one of the things that I was I wanted to talk to you about today, do you call yourself a drag queen? Because I see you as more as like this host and MC. You know, that's, I can do, I always like to tell myself and others that like, you know, the the saying of the triple threat is me. And so I just kind of, I think I just deflect sometimes to like a drag queen, but in all reality, I'm an entertainer. Um, And, and I come from an entertainer background. You know what I mean? I remember doing fun little dance shows when my grandparents would take me to uh, their camping trips for the good Sam club that they were in. And it's just, it's in my bones. And it's in my, I feel it, it's in my DNA. And um, so it's just, I just use that loosely as like, okay, well, you know, if somebody were to ask, but I see myself as an entertainer. And you have gotten some incredible accolades. You were the winner of Desert Drag Race. Um, Yes. You you won Best in Drag. What was that for? 
So that was for Alliance for Housing and Healing uh, in the Los Angeles County. It's a huge fundraiser that they do every year. Um, and it's it until last year it was at the Orpheum Theater in downtown LA. And it's um uh it's just a fun thing for, you know, five or six contestants. You pick a state, you pick a name, um, and it's pretty much a beauty pageant. And um the night that I won, we were able to raise like almost uh I wanna say somewhere around like close to six hundred and thirty five thousand dollars. Wow. So yeah, and at ninety cents of every dollar. Um, goes to people that are affected by HIV, um, that need housing, mental health care, food. Uh, you know, they assist on, um, you know, in a group home setting, electricity bills, all of that kind of stuff. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful organization. Well, and I'll tell you, all, all the way back, even before the 50s and 60s, you know, there were female impersonators that were doing fundraisers to help a myriad of different charities. And we'll talk more about some of the nonprofit work you do, including the upcoming Easter Parade event for the Palm Springs Gay Men's Chorus. We're talking with Ethelina Can. You're listening to The Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. The Jeff Hawker Show, casting a brilliant rainbow of diversity on iHub Radio. Now, here's Jeff. We're talking with Ethelina Can, also known as Jeffrey Yule. I'd like to throw your regular name out there because you do a lot of things for the community in, in both situations, as both Ethelina and Jeffrey. And I don't want to lose track of the conversation that we were having before the break. Um, two other awards that you've won, and, and both are pretty substantial. GED Magazine named you Outstanding Drag Diva. With so many drag queens in the desert, that's saying a lot. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's just it's nice to be recognized, and it's nice. You know, it's one of those things where people vote, and, um, you know, it was nice to get that recognition. Absolutely, because it's, it proves to me that, like, you know, what I'm doing, people enjoy, and and that's the that's the go-to, and it's like I want to bring some joy and some fun and some entertainment to people, and um, it's just, it's a nice little, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, and you certainly do. I mean, you put a smile on everybody's face when they're around you. The oh, other, thank you. The other award is the Everyday Hero Award, which is done by DAP Health, and it's a big deal. I mean, it's every year they recognize three or four different people who have done a lot for the community, and I'm just so glad that you won that award. Thank you. You know, that was – I have the, the beautiful red ribbon plaque um, – right at my front door when I walk out I get to see it every day and you know yesterday I was thinking I was looking at it and I was thinking to myself I'm like I'm really 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 grateful that 
my mom and dad were able to be there to see that. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where, like, I do things for all these different organizations because, you know, as Barbara Keller once said, it's like when you do good, you feel good. And um, it was very, like, it was just an honor to be recognized. And, you know, when because I don't I'm not I just want to make sure that, like, you know, it's stated that, like, I'm not doing something for another organization to get any kind of notoriety or clout or anything like that. It's just it, it makes me feel good that I can even be involved. You know what I mean? In yeah. any way, whether it's in a wig or out of a wig, it just makes me feel good. And it helps out so many people in our community because there's so, so much philanthropy happening here, which brings me utmost joy, utmost joy. And you've got an event that you're working on with me coming up. It's called Easter Parade, which is going to be part live and part virtual. You're going to be the hostess with the mostess. And I, I have to give credit to our graphic artist for the chorus, Stephen Boyd, who is so amazing at taking visuals and taking to the next level. He created this graphic of you popping out of a rainbow-colored egg. So good. <laughs> so good. I remember when you said that to me. I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Well, and you're in so this beautiful. amazing floral Easter style dress with an orange wig on, and it just fit. Yes. It's so good. It's yeah. So, good. It joy. so, can you give yeah. us a little sneak peek on what you may be doing that night? You know, I am currently um, getting a over the top group number. Um, for all the audience members, um, that's just going to be joyful. And I think it's, um, it's really going to resonate. You know, I rewatched Easter Parade, uh, yesterday and I totally forgot how fabulous that movie is. Uh, the costumes and, are incredible. Oh my, oh my God. It's so good. And, um, you know, there's a song in there called Shaking the Blues Away. And I believe that... Um, it's so relevant for today. I mean, I see our town opening back up, the world is opening back up, and it's like a lot of people had a lot of dark times during this pandemic, and, you know, a lot of people had some good times, but I think it's just so relevant to just get out there and start living again. And uh, so it's just perfect timing to show that movie. Well, and what's great is I always like... Uh, uh, doing events that have great tie-ins and when I told you about Easter Parade you got you just lit up and yeah. the, the tie-in here uh, Irving Berlin's Easter Parade if you don't know is one of the most iconic films for Judy Garland and Fred Astaire and it also includes Peter Lawford and Ann Miller so the dance numbers yeah. are phenomenal <laughs> yeah they are and if you haven't seen this show, a lot of people have seen it on TV, but they haven't seen it on the big screen because it hasn't been in movie theaters for ages. Right. But um, Anne Hampton Calloway is somebody who is near and dear to my heart. She uh, wrote one of the songs for Quiet No More, which was part of the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. And so I told her that we were doing uh, Easter parade and she goes oh my god I'm going to sing God Bless America that was written by Irving Berlin so good now uh, now correct me if I am wrong but did she not sing the nanny theme song she wrote it and sang it she wrote it and sang it so fun story that I have for you that was 
when I was working at Two Cans with Tommy Rose, we did a TV theme closeout. And so I got to lip sync that part from the nanny and because it, it was a the Jeffersons and this and that and so on and so forth. So I can't wait to tell her that when I meet her. It's going to be terrific. Uh, again, it's Easter Parade, the Palm Springs Gay Men's Chorus. For tickets, psgmc.com. If you want more information on everything that Ethelina is doing, you can go to ethelina.com. And, of course, you're all over Facebook. So check out Ethelina. I can't wait to work with you next week. Have a wonderful so week. excited. And I will see you soon. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. You have a wonderful afternoon. You are listening to The Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. And next up is Lenny Broberg. We'll talk all about his time as a San Francisco inspector. Live from Palm Springs. The Desert Cities A to Z on LGBTQ. This is the Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. If you'd like tickets to the Easter Parade event with that's uh, being presented by the Palm Springs Gay Men's Chorus, hosted by Ethelina Can and Anne Hampton Calloway. Um, coming up to the phone is Lenny Broberg. He is going to be doing the auction at the event coming up on Saturday, April 10th. And I wanted to bring Lenny on because I've known Lenny for a long time and we've kind of crossed paths in different capacities doing fundraisers in San Francisco and also here in Palm Springs. How are you doing, Lenny? Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you... One of the the most intriguing things about you is that you were an openly gay, and you're retired, San Francisco police inspector. Now, I would imagine you, you were with the force for 23 years. I mean, you had to work hard to get that position. Uh, yes. And, um, you know, within the police department, in order to get promoted, you have to uh, take tests and, you know, uh, be, oh, you know, it rated against a lot of the other officers. So sometimes it takes a little while longer to become an inspector. But um, I took the test, but I had been assigned to the gang task force for almost my whole career while I was with the police department. In a tough area. I mean, one of your areas was Hunter's Point. Correct. I had the southeastern portion of the city. And um, like I said, I was involved with gang investigations pretty much for my whole career. So you had said that an inspector and a detective are basically the same thing. Is there any nuances that are different? Not really. Um, And in San Francisco, they've uh, since uh, combined the uh, inspector and the sergeant's position. So it gives them a lot more flexibility uh, in regards to... um, sending out the manpower where they may need it, so to speak. Um, Some individuals like to do investigations. Some individuals like to do um, be a supervisor for officers in the street. But as long as you know how to do both jobs, uh, you can be a much better uh, police officer all the way around. 
And I would imagine you started with the force in 1995. If you're going to come out and be openly gay, San Francisco is definitely the place to do it. But working for the police department is, I'm sure, was not easy back then. Uh, it really wasn't. Uh, it, it's a little easier now, but there are still issues, uh, as are there when you're working with anybody. Uh, when I first came into the police department after I had gone through the academy, I was openly gay uh, because I didn't come into the police department until I was 39. So it's a little late for me to try to go back into the closet, even though some people suggested that it might be easier if I did. Um, I preferred not to. And um, there are a lot more gay officers now. We had lost a number of gay officers during the AIDS pandemic back in the 1980s. So um, that had a big effect on the LGBT officers that were in the department at that time and continues to have a little bit of an effect to this day. What, what made you how did you make that decision to be openly gay in the force? Um, well, <laughs> it's the same way I made the decision to be openly gay in my life. You know, that's who I am. Yeah. And when I came at, when I joined the police department at the age of 39, it was a little late for me to go back. Uh, I had done so many things in the community. I was very involved in fundraising, uh, for a number of different LGBT organizations. In addition to, um, a lot of organizations at large. Uh, that were not LGBT related. Mm -hmm. So um, for me to try to go back into the closet would have been denying a part of who I was. And I think being, you know, openly gay, being proud of who I was made me a better police officer also. Yeah. Um, I have an interesting question to ask you. Um, I, I know you for a long time and you like uniforms. Were you intrigued by the police uniform was did, did that have any basis of why you wanted to be a cop? <laughs> no, that, 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 that had, uh, that had no effect, even though I did, I did like uniforms and actually, um, it held a lot less attraction for me after I became a cop because I had to wear it every day. <laughs> yeah. So. so did, did you ever have any situations that, really scared you with with the the job you have with the force um i think the times i was shot at i've been shot at a few times um fortunately they missed <laughs> so um <laughs> that's a good thing you know what? yeah that's a great thing no you know what i think there 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 were a number of times because i worked or i focused on the really sort of violent aspect yeah. Um, or part of society. You know, it, I, I went after I went after people like have murdered people. You know, and some of the suspects that um, I managed to arrest or put cases on did more than one murder. I, I had one individual that was good for four or five murders. So and w when you're dealing with um, or trying to get some justice for the families of the people that that individual killed. You're not dealing with um, someone that's all that pleasant. Yeah. I, you know, people see San Francisco as like this, you know, amazing, you know, city with 
restaurants and wonderful hotels and great tourist attractions. But I have, I have a good friend who currently lives um, in Indian Basin, which is right at the foot of Hunter's Point. And there have been times when I've actually driven up into that area and people don't realize how intense some of those areas just even driving into can be. Well, you know, again, what there's a lot of disparity in regards to opportunities for people in San Francisco. Yeah. The wealth distribution, um, how people are raised, um, you know, the environment that they have to grow up in. You know, what you have to understand is that there are some people that when they were kids, they, they, they've already seen a real dead body instead of just the ones on TV. You know, it, or they've they've had relatives that have been shot or relatives that have been killed or relatives um, that have been arrested and have had to go to prison for a long time. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's a whole lot of factors that go into that. But, yeah, a lot of times people just go, oh, I'm in San Francisco. It's a great city and it is a great city. But you have to understand that it also has its underbelly. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And, and with a city that's so diverse, which is probably not as diverse as it used to be, there are different ethnicities that have different gangs. You know, you got the Latino gangs, you got the Asian Pacific gangs, you've got the African American gangs, and and sometimes there's turf wars. And so you're right in the middle of all that. Oh, yeah. Uh I mean, there were, like in the Bayview Hunters Point, there were some gangs that were literally within city blocks. They would, I had incidents or cases that I investigated where rival gang members didn't even leave their safety zone or their territory and just fired across a valley or a couple streets um, into a rival gang territory that was three or four blocks away. Yeah, and that's where you get those situations where innocent bystanders are shot or hurt, you know, because there's turf wars. Exactly. So Exactly. So one of the things that you uh, have also done, and you may be still affiliated with this, was you served as the vice president of the San Francisco Pride Alliance, um, which is an organization for LGBT police officers. Within the San Francisco Police Department, yes. And I currently serve on the board as the retired member position. Yeah. Well, I know you, and I'm sure you don't like using that word retired all the time, which which (laughs) I know you're still vibrant and very involved with a lot of things. Yes, but, you know, retired from the police department is not necessarily a bad thing. (laughs) I would imagine. 23 years with the force. So um, one of the things I I, I touched on that you like uniforms, one of the things that you, one of your accolades is you were Mr. International Leather. Uh, Yes. Back in 1992, uh, I won the title of International Mr. Leather. That had to be just a real highlight in your life. I mean, it's really amazing when you go to those events and you, there's people from all over the world all vying for this one title. I, you know, and, and I think that was the part that was the really special part. And then the year that followed after I won, because um, 
That was back in 1992, which was also pretty much at the height of the AIDS pandemic. So there were a lot of uh, AIDS fundraisers, uh, a lot of information that was getting out about AIDS. Um, And there were also a number of states that had anti-gay initiatives. Uh, Colorado, Oregon, and um, the state of Washington all had anti-gay initiatives that we were fighting uh, at the ballot. Wasn't so, the, the BRICS initiative, wasn't that one of them? No, the BRICS was the one that was in California that was trying to um, make it illegal for LGBT people to be school teachers. Right. In the state of California, even right here in California, we had to fight that. Um, for my year that I served as internationalist leather, I actually... What was it? I traveled 47 weekends out of 52 during the year. Wow. And, I, yeah. and I'm sure had a lot of fun. Did, oh, did, I, you know what? I got, <laughs> I got to meet some of the most incredible people, um, you know, people that were working hard in their communities, that were working hard on the behalf um, of people in their communities. And that was sort of how I developed my auctioneer skills. Uh, because when I would go to some of these events, they go, hey, would you mind selling this for us? Or could you auction this off? And I grew up in the country, uh, so I used to go to livestock auctions. So I just tried to remember what I used to see at the livestock auctions, had a lot of fun with it, made it humorous. And now I've developed a skill that um, I'm still doing a lot today uh, for auctions for a lot of different organizations. Yeah, you've done it for the Human Rights Campaign, for GLAD, for the AIDS Emergency Fund. Um, one of the ones you did when we started talking about working with us on the uh, first the holiday event, which got canceled and is now the Easter event, uh, was the Cake for Kids Muttville. Tell me a little bit about that one. Well, uh, actually, those are two different organizations. Muttville is a senior dog rescue uh, up in San Francisco, and they help rescue and rehome senior dogs. Um, and take, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we're going to go to a commercial break. I guess you forgot to put a comma in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. Because they knew it was Cake for Kids. So when we come back, we'll talk about Cake for Kids. We'll talk about some of the other charities and organizations you do auctions for. And, of course, the upcoming Easter Parade with the Palm Springs Gay Men's Chorus in honor of a good friend, a mutual friend of the two of ours. You're listening to The Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. The Jeff Hawker Show, casting a brilliant rainbow of diversity on iHub Radio. Now, here's Jeff. We're talking with Lenny Broberg. I know him well from San Francisco, where you worked on a lot of different charity events, and that's where we first met. Um, I was really involved with Academy of Friends and Men's Associate Exchange and all those different groups. But um, one of the ones 
before the break, we were talking about Cake for Kids. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, Cake for Kids is a great organization that provides cakes, uh, birthday cakes or special occasion cakes for uh, youth that are in foster homes. You know, it, it was before I became involved with the organization, I never really gave it much thought. But there are a lot of kids that are in foster care or they're they're in transitional housing um, that on their most important day, they don't have a birthday cake. That special day isn't made special. So um, the organization is now in a few different states and a number of counties in the state of California, and they provide birthday cakes for um, kids that are in transitional housing, foster homes, um, and uh, even uh, some of the juvenile centers. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, you yeah, just and, you take so much for granted. Well, you do, and you know it and and it's funny how you don't really give thought to something like that, but here is a kid that's 10, 11, 12, 13 and the the most important day of their life, the day that they were born, the day that you should celebrate them, um a lot of time gets passed over. Uh there was a story that at one of the fundraisers there was uh, a young man who was like 19 and he had never, he had grown up in foster care. Uh, he'd been out a number in and out of a number of foster homes. Um, and he didn't have his first birthday cake until he was 19. And that was through cake for kids. Wow. So, um, our upcoming Easter parade event, uh, you are doing the auction in memory of a mutual friend of ours, Dave Murdoch. When did you first meet him? Oh, my God. I met God. I couldn't even tell you. It must have been 15 years ago. Yeah, so up in San Francisco. Uh, least, uh, well, no, I actually met him uh, when I came down here to oh. do the Palm Springs Leather Weekend. Okay. Uh, Dave, was, Dave was like the voice of God. He had this big, deep, booming voice. So mm -hmm. he made a perfect voice of God from the sound booth. Uh, and then um, I came down and I was the MC. I emceed in a lot of events around the country. So while we were doing the event, uh, we were doing the contest uh, that night. He said, hey, we had a couple donations. We'd like to raise a little bit of money for our charities, our beneficiaries tonight. Do you think you could do an auction? I looked at him. I thought he was kidding. I thought he knew that I did auctions. <laughs> anyway, we we did the auction, and then for the next few years, Dave always made sure I had a couple things to auction off and raise more money. So, Yeah, he, he was a wonderful guy. He brought me into um, the Palm Springs Leather Order of the Desert, and I did all their advertising sales for their programs every year. And then he goes, you know, I also sing. He was a bass, and he goes, I sing in the Palm Springs Gay Men's Chorus. And... How would you like to come audition, but also we need help marketing? <laughs> and so it was kind of twofold. And I said, okay, you know, I'll come talk to you guys. And I just, I loved working with him. He was such a kind, gentle, appreciative man. And, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure when, when you and I had talked about you coming in on this event that, you know, we keep his memory alive by, you know, talking about him and using his name. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's what, just what Dave did. 
You know, he managed to bring a lot of different people together for a lot of different things. He even, one year when I was uh, emceeing the contest, he actually had uh, a number of the members from the Gay Men's Chorus come in and do a song sort of based on uh, the, uh, uh, what was it? I forget the musical right now, but Officer Krupke. Oh, that's they, right. Yeah. Yeah, they, they tailored it to Officer Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was about the time that I started with the chorus. So yeah, I remember that. So you're yeah. you're going to be doing the Easter Parade event. You're going to be our auctioneer in memory of Dave Murdoch. Um, yes. And and I know earlier today we talked about some of the items. Do you remember some of the the great items that you're going to auction? Uh, well, there is a, a really nice trip to Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> Woohoo! There's a great trip to Puerto Vallarta, but I think probably one of the best things that we're going to be uh, auctioning off is the opportunity to conduct the Gay Men's Chorus at a future concert. Which, I'll tell you, if you've never done it, it's one of those things that's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know, because you get the adulation of the of the audience, but also you get to work with all these great men. Exactly, and they're all under your control. How great is that? <laughs> is great. Yeah, so um, so the event is Saturday, April 10th. Uh, again, it's the Palm Springs Gay Men's Chorus. The chorus is not singing this event. The, what the chorus has kind of done is transition, like everybody else, into more of a virtual experience. So we thought, hey, why not work with the Palm Springs Cultural Center that has this amazing drive-in theater and, you know, raise money for the organization, but then have all these great people come together, like yourself, like Ann Hampton Calloway, like Ethelina Can. And originally, when we talked about doing this during the holiday, everything was kind of in lockdown, and we were going to socially distance everybody. But now, um, because things have opened up a lot, we are selling seats in front of the theater, um, and also, I would love to work with you and have some interaction with Ethelina as well. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Ethelina is great. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to work with her yet. Um, I have only seen her at other events, and I am looking forward to it. So if we can make Ethelina part of the auction, uh, I would be thrilled. Okay, that would be great. If somebody wants uh, information on how to hire you to do an auction for them, how do they get a hold of you? You know what? The thing is, is that in all the years that I've been doing the auctions, and there were times I've done, I was doing between five and ten a month. Um, I've never charged. I've always donated my services because they were for nonprofits, mm -hmm. uh, and they were usually for organizations. Uh, that I would support. So um, if you want to get a hold of me, I have a LinkedIn page, uh, Auctions by Lenny, so you can go there. Um, or you can look for me at LennyCop at AOL.com. Just my name and my old job. And you'll get to see Lenny if you buy tickets at, for Easter Parade. Again, that's Saturday, April 10th at 7 o'clock. The drive-in theater parking lot opens at 6 for tickets, go to psgmc.com, and I look forward to working with you again, Lenny. Hey, I look forward to it, too. Thank you so much, Jeff. And we'll see you next week again for tickets, PSGMC. Um, also, uh, coming up on the John McMullen Show is Alan Carvalho, who is an activist for the in Cathedral City. 
You have been listening to The Jeff Hawker Show on iHub Radio. For more information about all the shows, go to iHubRadio.com.